0: What's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo here of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Always appreciate you downloading the podcast this week. Thank you for doing it. And if you haven't yet, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, and send me a screenshot of that review to Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. And what I will do is I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. I think that's a pretty good trade off. You take. 60 seconds out of your day, and you get a free koozie that reminds you that we are the best Big 12 site out there. It's a great trade. I appreciate you guys doing it, and enjoy the show. Safety's drop really deep. Handoff Sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25. 20. Breaks a tackle. 15. 10. 5. Mr. is into the end zone, Preach! Mason takes the ball, takes a handoff, fires over the middle, it's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone! He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing, touchdown Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line. Jesse, 25-20, 15-10, 20, five to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horned Frogs now go up 13-7 to at 2,000 country stations and yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. So how crazy is it that this weekend uh, we are literally just three weeks away from college football? It's, its I, I couldn't be happier about it, but I am still, it's kind of shocking to me. I say it every year, but it's like, where has the time. Where's the summer especially gone? Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for being a part of the show, for uh, joining us here this week. And this week is going to be just you and me. That's it. You know, sometimes you have a guest who says they're going to join you. His agent says he's going to join you. And then it doesn't turn out. Um, then you get canceled on last minute. That's what happened this week with Marchie Murdoch, the former Iowa statewide receiver. I'm sure he's a swell guy, but I got to be honest, he put us in a really bad spot this week. So, Sometimes sometimes you got to call guys out, and uh, unfortunately, that's what happened. But that's all right. We'll move on. We'll still have a great show, and we appreciate you being a part of it. Well, did anything happen in college football this past week? Anything at all? Nothing, right? Oh, you mean just uh, Urban Meyer? Yeah. So the Urban Meyer deal comes down, and by the way, what happened this week with the Ohio State fans – was college football at its absolute worst. It was. We'll get to the Big 12 side of this here in just a second, but let me just say this about these Ohio State fans who... <laughs> this rally that they held for Urban Meyer, how difficult is it for these guys to to realize that Urban Meyer is not a victim. He's not a victim, never has been a victim, never will be a victim. The victim is the woman who got the hell beaten out of her, who has been dealing with this for years. You want to argue she should have left her husband earlier? Sure, fine. We can have that discussion. But you know what we can all agree on? And what is factually true here, that Urban Meyer is not a victim deserving of sympathy. He's not. And these loser Ohio State fans out there with their signs saying ESPN is fake news. Now, don't get me wrong. I will be the first guy to line up and beat up ESPN with you, but how clueless are these people that they don't even know the story? This was not broken by ESPN. It had nothing to do with ESPN at all. I mean, it was literally irrelevant from anything ESPN is doing. Brett McMurphy was fired by ESPN, laid off, whatever the phrase is you want to use. The guy doesn't work there anymore. And you got these signs from Ohio State fans saying ESPN is fake news. They're just looking out for the SEC. And I agree on that sentiment. But in this specific case, it is irrelevant. And apparently nobody told that to the Ohio State fans that showed up there at the horseshoe to protest Urban Meyer. What a bunch of losers these guys are, and gals for that matter. I Just, oh gosh, get a job. And if you have a job, get a second job. Just get a life. So all the attention has now turned to what happens if Herbert Meyer is no longer the head coach at Ohio State. And you heard me say Iowa State because naturally the transition goes to Matt Campbell. Now it's funny how that works because you think about Matt Campbell and you think about the long-term contract that he signed um, end of last November, early December, towards the end of the season. And I give this guy so much credit for signing that extension, saying, I'm not even talking about other jobs. I'm not considering Tennessee, Nebraska, whatever it might be. I'm here. I'm seeing this through. And we are going to make this thing, the Iowa State Cyclone football program, the real deal. I respect the hell out of Matt Campbell for that on so many levels. He deserves it. He does. But man, and it's not open yet. It's not. But gosh, This Ohio State job is one of those jobs that as an Ohio kid, which Matt Campbell is, you just dream about, you live your whole life for, you work your whole life for. Now, I've heard plenty from um, folks on the Ohio State side that even if Urban Meyer is shown the door, which it's not very obvious that's going to happen right now, but they view Matt Campbell as too green for the job. I say fine. If Ohio State is that arrogant, to say that they are too good and Matt Campbell's not proven enough for them, let him please let him pass. I mean, I hope Matt Campbell becomes Bill Snyder at um, at Iowa State, and he just falls in love with the place and he turns it into a consistent winner. And once every bunch of years, he can compete for a Big 12 championship. And I mean, God forbid a national championship. I hope that Matt Campbell does that. At the same time. If you're an Iowa State fan, just look yourself in the mirror and say, if your dream job came up, how do you turn it down? And it's widely believed, Randy Peterson, the Des Moines Register, wrote um, after the contract extension last year that he feels pretty good about Matt Campbell staying at Iowa State until one of these jobs open up, and the three were Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Penn State. Well, one of them's open. And Matt Campbell shot down any rumors on that, and he uh, did a fantastic job addressing this to the media in the past few days, and... I want to run through the wall for that guy. I I really do. I watched the video of Matt Campbell saying, I am not discussing another job. I'm not talking about another job. I have no interest in even hearing about another job. I am here to talk about this team, this program, today, right now, in the moment. And I, I said, throw on the shoulder pads, baby. I want to play for this guy. He is as impressive as it gets. But let's just wait for it to play out. Let's just do that. And I think there are a lot of guys with Big 12 ties that are going to have their names talked about. Matt Rule at Baylor, you laugh at that, but the guy had interest from the Indianapolis Colts. He is very well respected in football circles, and uh, it's not crazy. It's not. Tom Herman, I don't see it happening. He's finally getting the ball rolling there. He, of course, has a degree from Texas. He used to coach there. I don't see it. Texas is on the same plane as Ohio State, but they might make a call. Bob Stoops, forget it. People are already talking. The Ohio kid, Bob Stoops, coming back to help his uh, state. He's got two sons that are playing football at Oklahoma. He's a family guy. He's lived in Oklahoma longer now in his life than he's lived in Ohio I mean, I heard Bob Stoops say in an interview, I'm more of an Oklahoma guy than I'm an Ohio guy now. My family's been here longer. My kids grew up here. This is my home. I mean, Ohio State fans can kiss a goodbye. And Gary Patterson, I, maybe five years ago, it's a different conversation. The guy's in his late 50s. He's got this TCU program in as good a shape as you can have it right now. Um, his wife loves Fort Worth. He's in a great place. He's the voice of, in many ways, the conference from the head coaching perspective. Uh, Gary Patterson's not going to Ohio State. He's not. But uh, that does not mean that you're not going to have Big 12 coaches, former or current, that are going to have their names discussed if Ohio State does make a move and potentially move on from Urban Meyer. So we'll play the waiting game here. We'll see what happens. Ohio State said earlier this week they have a 14-day investigation that's going to be happening, and then they'll determine what the fate and the future is of Urban Meyer. And it's also interesting because TCU, of course, plays Ohio State a third week of the season. So what does that mean? How does this affect it, if at all? Um, Very, very interesting stuff for not just Ohio State, the Big Ten, but also college football and, you know, the Big 12. So, Also, this week, we got some news that the uh, last week preseason poll came out and the preseason poll came out and what it determined was that Oklahoma is the class of the conference, at least according to the voters, at least according to the coaches poll. Oklahoma was fifth and after that, nobody in the Big 12 ranked until TCU at 16th, Alabama won Clemson two, Ohio State three, Georgia four. And I think the coaches poll is totally missing the boat here. I think Oklahoma's ranked too high, and I think the rest of the Big 12 is ranked too low. TCU at 16, West Virginia at 20, Texas at 21, Oklahoma State at 25, and Kansas State and Iowa State both receive votes. Now, every year this happens, the Blue Bloods, the big names, they get overranked in many t- many cases, overrated in many cases, and then once the games start, play- start being played, Everything kind of falls where it should fall, in the place. But while Oklahoma has an enormous amount of talent, putting them fifth and then having an 11-spot drop down to the next Big 12 school, I don't see it this season. I don't. I mean, Lincoln Raleigh has recruited incredibly well this year. And last year, of course, was Bob Stoops' class. That was a great class also. But I have a lot of question marks about this team. Yes, we picked them out of heartlandcollegesports.com to win the entire Big 12 conference. We did. But I don't think the margin is as wide as a lot of the folks in the national landscape. Never mind, you know, the coaches poll, believe it to be. I, I just, I don't see it. Doesn't mean it can't be. I mean, Kyler Murray could step right in and people could forget the name Baker Mayfield. Maybe that happens. I don't think it does. I just don't, and I also look at this conference, and I say, all right, where's the love for an Iowa State that could be absolutely loaded uh, on defense, and frankly should be loaded on defense, and brings back a lot of really good weapons on offense as well. They're a playmaker. West Virginia down at 20th. I think that's going to change over the next uh, first couple of weeks of the season. Oklahoma State in the top 25. I don't hate it, But Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy has to show me something. I mean, 10 wins each of the past three seasons, that was great. But you lost a lot of those guys. You frankly did not reach your potential with those guys. And now is this year a reload or a rebuild? Those are all questions that I have about those teams. And TCU loses 20-plus seniors. Now, Gary Patterson's recruited very well. But the fact that they are the second Big 12 team ranked in the coaches' poll a little bit surprising to me. So the coaches poll always a little screwy before the season, but the overriding sentiment to me from a national polling perspective is that the coaches, the media views the Big 12, the conference, as still being Oklahoma, Big Gap, everybody else, and I just think this is the year that that changes. This is. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Well, we have a lot to get to here this week. And um, what I want to dive into next is a conversation about two teams that find themselves in um, a position that neither team usually is in. Two Big 12 teams. Totally different. But this year, they have a similar issue And I'll explain it next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So as we get ready for the season, I always try to find teams that are on similar planes and similar parallels, and that exactly is what is happening here with Texas Tech and Kansas State and I'll explain. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I appreciate you guys joining us and I appreciate you uh, being a part of the show. And if you miss any part of the show on the radio, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play where we put the podcast as well. So you don't have to miss anything. You can just go download the podcast. It's, uh, It's good stuff there as well. So Kansas State and Texas Tech have, let's be honest, nothing in common. Their styles are totally different. Most things about the team are totally different. And um, one team, Texas Tech, usually based around its offense. Kansas State typically based around its defense. But this year is different. Both of these teams are now relying on opposite ends of the ball and unusually different ends of the ball to succeed this year. You have Texas Tech that comes in. Frankly, if Cliff Kingsbury wants to keep his job, he better hope his defense is as good as it's expected to be. And Dakota Allen's a stud, and the secondary, which is Sean Johnson and Justice Parker, are still you know, top 10 in the country in turnover margin, which they were last year, going from 112th in 2016 all the way up to 6th this past season. I mean, everything has to click because there's just confusion on offense. The O-line, Jack Anderson's great. Question marks there, though. Is Trey King, can he carry the weights and carry the load at running back? Is Dalian Ward going to be the stud that he was a couple years back after having to sit out a year? The wide receiver's always good, but some unproven players there as well. And then, of course, quarterback. You know, McLean Carter's the same guy who was struggling against Texas, had to be bailed out by Nick Shimanek last year in that game and then saved Kingsbury's job. I didn't love what I saw from him. And then you go to a guy, I mean, do you feel if you're a Texas Tech fan like Jet Duffy's, you're knight in shining armor? I have no reason to believe that. So there are so many questions about this Texas Tech team and whether or not the offense, ironically, can do enough to keep Cliff Kingsbury employed. But like I've said, there's no doubt in my mind that Texas Tech desperately wants Cliff Kingsbury to succeed. I mean, they are in such dire straits for this guy to prove himself that I think if he wins seven games this year, gets to a bowl game and wins it, let's say he goes eight and five, I mean, they will find every reason to keep him. They will. But in a loaded Big 12 and a tough non conference for this uh, Texas Tech team, you know, you start things off with Ole Miss. Uh, You go from there, you got to play Houston. That's a solid, solid group of five school. I'm struggling to find those solid seven wins. It doesn't mean they can't do it. But you better hope that defense is carrying you a lot of the way because they are going to need it. Now for Kansas State, defense was terrible last year. I mean, let's be honest. Well, run defense was solid, top three in the conference, but the pass defense was worse In the conference, I mean, worse than Kansas. Now, part of that, of course, is a skewed number because most teams got up so big on Kansas they just decided to run the ball. But still, they gave up 309 passing yards per game. That was the worst in the conference, which is embarrassing and not Bill Snyder football, not Kansas State football. They got to get that turned around. And this year, it's the offense with two really good quarterbacks that can both win games in the Big 12, and Alex Delton and Skylar Thompson. A solid, stable of running backs led by Alex Barnes. Uh, you love the offensive line, and then you know the the wide receiver position is a little weak. After Byron Pringle bolted early, which I will believe is a continue to believe is a big mistake until he bursts onto the scene in the NFL. I know um, there were personal and family reasons that Byron Pringle left, but man, I I didn't like that move at all. Either way. You like players like Isaiah Zuber, Dalton Schoen, Shabaston Taylor had a big spring game, getting a lot of attention. But the defense, you say to yourself, okay, is this team able to turn it around and turn around this group? DJ Reed, your best cover corner is gone. Maybe that's a good thing, considering how bad the pass defense was at times. Maybe that allows somebody else to step up. Duke Shelley, Kendall Adams, these are veteran players in that secondary. Bill Snodder, when I was at the spring game for K-State, Uh, He had Duke Shelley, speaking of the media, he was one of the first guys out. He's clearly being viewed at as a leader heading into this season. And boy, does Kansas State need it. You think about Kansas State when they were at their best. They always had a couple of uh, studs on defense that were sneaky good NFL players as well. And I don't know if this team has it. I just don't. Maybe the linebacker unit has that guy, whether it's Elijah Sullivan or Daquan Patton, that just totally bursts onto the scene and becomes that absolute stud in the middle, that anchor in the middle that Kansas State hasn't really had. You now, Trent Tanking was good. I don't think he was that guy, though, that was going to transform a defense. It just, he never felt like he was. Same thing with uh, Jade Kirby. So seeing what Kansas State can do on defense is going to be fascinating to me, and to whether or not they have that ability to hold up and keep up with their offense. I mean, it's funny you could have Kansas State playing first one to forty wins, and you could have Texas Tech saying we need our defense to get a stop to hang on for this twenty-three to seventeen win or something like that. It's like uh, reversed roles here this year, and it's it's going to be really interesting to watch. Red Raiders fans are going to be wondering what happened to the offense and. K State fans are going to be wondering what happened to the defense. That's the kind of predicament both of these teams are in heading into the 2018 season. Up is down, down is up in Manhattan, Kansas, and Lubbock, Texas. And, you know, deep down, I kind of love every minute of it. I do. I think it's always fun when teams have to take on different identities that the programs aren't used to, uh, the fan bases aren't used to, and it sets up just for a, a really fun season. And, Many people believe K State might be a year away from from really competing uh, for a Big 12 championship, but I I want to see what this team can do. And week two against Mississippi State is going to be very very telling for this uh, for this Kansas State squad. There's no doubt about it that we're going to find out a heck of a lot about this team. And I am looking forward to every second of it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much as always for being a part of the show and joining us here. And thanks, of course, for listening. We appreciate that. And if you haven't yet, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Email me, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, a picture of that review, and I'll get a koozie in the mail for you. I think that's a hell of a trade off. So take advantage of it. We'll talk to you guys soon, right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly.